football probably wasn't at the forefront of David Gormley's mind when we all went into lockdown. He was suffering coronavirus symptoms and his wife was 30 weeks pregnant. But after a spell of self-isolation and getting meals delivered to his door, he's back up and running again and joins us tonight. After a successful playing career down the leagues and in the juniors, David took up his first post in management last season at Rossvale. They'll take their place in the new West of Scotland League when the game gets going again. We'll speak to David about getting through quarantine and how he's adapted to life in the dugout. Plus, we'll take a look back at his days with the boots on and hear how his day job is helping part-time footballers get trade behind them. It's all here on Down the Divisions. Well, it's been some week of weather, Paul, and uh, judging by the colour on your face, have you been out in the golf course rather than down the football club? I've been a bit greedy this week. Obviously, we're allowed back on the golf course on Friday, so I get out Friday and Sunday. Uh, thankfully, my wife plays as well, so it's uh, good to spend some quality time with her. That was a good did answer, you, wasn't it? Did you let her win? No, not a chance. Yeah, we missed a, a third of the season already. As I say, it's good to get back out playing now, and I'm enjoying it. Brilliant. Well, it's uh, football we're talking about tonight, not golf. So uh, it's good to have your listening. Uh, we're here every Wednesday with a new episode. If you've got any comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. As I say, Rossville manager David Gormley is our guest this evening. Thanks for joining us, David. Have you been on the golf course? No problem. Uh, yes, I managed to get out yesterday with uh, one of the boys, so I was good to get out. And, uh, we were just, as Paul said, the swing wasn't fully there, but it'll come in time, hopefully. <laughs> bit by bit. Uh, it was good, uh, so. good stuff. Well, before we chat some more, uh, we've got the, the usual Down the Divisions decider, where one of us gives four clues for a particular year. Davis leads 1-0 at the minute, and he's asking the question tonight. So over to you, Paul, and we'll get you involved, David. Okay. So before we come on here, David says he's he's listened a few weeks and he says they've all been too young for him. So what year were you born, David? 88. Oh, you'll be fine on this one. <laughs> right, okay. So clue number one, Andy Rodic defeated Juan Carlos Ferreira 6-3, 7-6, 6-3 to win the US Open. Cristiano Ronaldo made his Manchester United Premier League debut. Mullow finished bottom of the Premier League, but was saved from the drop when the, SP, when the SPL did not accept Falkirk's league application due to ground criteria. Tapo beat Linlithgow Rose 1-0 after extra time to lift the Scottish Junior Cup. And a further clue is the attendance was 4,613 and the referee was Mike Tumulty. Must get a Right, David, you're the guest. You go first. I'm going to kind of shoot myself in the foot here because I think the year Motherwell finished bottom and they never went down was the year I signed for Motherwell as a YT. So I'm don't going to go... Don't give me a clue. I'm going to go for 2006. You need to remember Motherwell got saved three times from the drop. I did, they? right. So. so is that the right one? Ah, Maybe yeah, I'm just okay. trying to put him off the scent here. Maybe. Aye. I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go 2003. Right, okay. Okay. Over to you. To me? He's, no, he's trying, he's trying to judge he's my face. To <laughs> a poker nah. face here. Uh, we'll find out at the end of the show anyway. 
Rossville manager David Gormley is our guest tonight. Uh, David, I mentioned at the start of the show there that um, you know life was a bit different for you at the start of the lockdown. Can you can you tell us a bit more about how you were and and, and how you are now? I take it you're fine now. Yeah, back to full fitness now, and uh, it's probably the first week of lockdown. I started to get symptoms of the coronavirus. I was at a high temperature, a high fever, and uh, I couldn't really. I was dead lethargic and that. So. I was I never like I developed a cough, but I managed mean, I had to just take uh, self isolation as my wife was thirty weeks pregnant. So uh, luckily enough, we had a spare room that I had to just go and lock myself in and isolate myself in there. And it was tough because I've got a two and a half year old which was itching to play with me, but my wife just had to keep telling me I was at work and I just spent twenty four hours in that in the room and it was don't get me wrong I downloaded football manager and chat manager and just played that, <laughs> but. I managed, it was only four or five days, and, but it was just, it was good to finally get out and help my wife around about the house with the two and a half year old and she was obviously 30 weeks pregnant, so. So, how long, how many days did you spend in there in, in the end? I was seven, I was a full seven days. Uh, full seven days. I, I, I was probably only four or five days I felt I, I had a high temperature on that, but I would just took the government's guidelines and it was just a seven days isolation. Uh, my wife, she isolated probably for the first six weeks isolation of, of the lockdown. Uh, she never stepped through the door because she was pregnant so uh, she obviously she's done the same as me so we, we, we took it very serious definitely the the big question will be I suppose uh, were you managing Rossville on championship manager? <laughs> no I wasn't unfortunately no I, I had to go and look for us but uh, no uh, I know the real life budget and I couldn't, couldn't manage with that on <laughs> my manager so uh, there's no chance of that <laughs> And uh, I mean, you I mean obviously you you won't know if you had the coronavirus, but looking back now, do you think do you think that's what you probably had? Yeah, back at it, I think I was a bit ignorant to it, and I was obviously saying to my wife because I was eager to help her about the house, and I, I didn't want to be locked in the room, but I was probably saying I didn't have it. But looking back now, yeah, I think I probably did because I was uh, I was totally floored for three or four days, and uh, and I had a raging high temperature. That obviously that way you feel high high temperature, but you're, you're freezing. So uh, it wasn't nice for four or five days, but for what I hear from my wife, it wasn't nice for her for a week. Obviously, after the coronavirus, your wife's had the baby. That must have been a bit surreal going into the hospital having the baby uh, in there when the, the the hospitals are in the the kind of way they are. It was, uh, it was, and it, it was obviously it was a shock to us at first because my wife had the. Our second child at 32 weeks, uh, so that was the first shock, and then obviously having my wife having to be in there herself, and me, I was watching her, the Harris is back home, and then we were kind of split shifting it again. So she, she was going up in the morning, I was coming back. So it was a tough, a tough couple of weeks, probably three to four weeks, but we got we were through it, and everyone, everybody's back home, and everybody's good and health. So, so far, so good. Mm-hmm. Did you have, uh, did you use that time when you were in self isolation to? to plan, do some planning for Rossvale and, and use it as productively as possible that way as well. Yeah, that's probably where I, I, I could get my free time and I was, that was that week uh, and probably the week after was the time I'd done all my business. I was on the phone to shoot my assistant manager, Sean, for hours upon hours every day and phoning guys, phoning players and I, that was, was the time I used it because I, I was up in the room and she wouldn't need to listen to me trying to nego- try negotiate a fiver for the players. So, <laughs> so it was good. I mean, and, and did you? I mean, you said you did most of your business. Are you are you quite happy with your with where you are right now? Then, in terms of of, of what you got, and and are you still looking to add, or have you been able to bring in enough people 
so far? No, I'm pretty happy with, uh, as it stands, we've got 18 signed players. I understand we're going to need a couple more, but I think as it stands now, my business is done. Uh, and one or two players will come in, and but they'll come in pre-season maybe first couple of weeks after the game, the weeks have started, the games have started. So as it stands now, my business is done. If it was a game to start tomorrow, I'd be more than happy with my squad I've got. Lucky for some. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> how, how have you found guy, kind of guys' responses when you've kind of tried to get them in? Because presumably, as a club, you can't commit to them financially till football starts going. Mm-hmm. But they're committing to you. You know, have you have you had guys, some guys, you maybe just wanted to bide their time, see what was out there when football comes back, or, or have you had kind of quite good buy-in? It was a uh, that obviously all the other communications for me was happening probably the end of March, start of April, which was tough because the leagues were a shambles then, nobody knew what was going on. Now, everybody, a lot of guys gave me like the 70% that would come, but there was still a couple more. Uh, they said they would just need like to see things pan out, but as the, as the weeks went on, people were just sending me a message, uh, I've decided to come to Rossfield, and it was just a quick conversation, so all the groundwork got done early on, and then it was just as the leagues unfolded, and that's when uh, the guys just decided what they wanted to do. Obviously, you touched on there, David. The, the leagues have been a bit of a shambles, and it's been a kind of horrible, drawn-out process. How have you found it, and uh, are you happy with the kind of the group that you're in? Yeah, and to, to be brutally honest with you, I, I was kind of not getting involved. I let whoever the powers at Rossville be just do their business and just come to me and tell me this is where we are next year. See if I was in a conference. I wasn't going into a conference to win it, see if I whatever league I was in. We were going in, our mindset didn't change wherever we were going. It was going to be same team, same squad, same mindset, same management, same coaches. So I kind of wasn't getting myself involved and, and caught up too much about it. Like I spoke to a few other managers and I, you could tell deep down they were getting caught up and oh, we don't know where we're going to be. And I kind of just know let that affect me because I kind of just looked at looking the bright side of it. Like wherever we are, we are. We'll get away wherever we are. So that was kind of the way I looked at it. And unfortunately enough, for, for Rossville, we've managed to be in the top league again, uh, which is the, I'm happy with. Uh, so it's just all systems go to try and maintain in that top league and see where we can go for next year. Obviously, we'll probably come back on to Rossville. Mm-hmm. I've known you for a long time since you were at since you were at Fir Park. Can I take you back to that that model team that you come through with? You obviously Adam Coatley, Bobby Donnelly, Kenny Connolly. Tell us about those times, because yeah. I've never known a group of guys who are still as close and still as friendly and still some of them all playing football together. In fact, I think you, you played with them last year as well, didn't you? Uh, yeah. Tell us about that time. It was a, probably the best time of my years in football. It was just it was a great changing room. It was a great bunch of boys. And as you, you said, that we're all still very close pals right now. Uh, meet up. Obviously not in the current circumstances, but prior to that, we meet up nearly every weekend uh, for different things. So looking back on it, it was good. I was the the, the year below, like your Adam Coatley's, Bobby Donnelly's, Kenny Conley, uh, Mark Reynolds. They were all the year below. I was a year below them. And then the year below me was Ross Forbes, Jamie Murphy, uh, Cammy Murray, Mark Artsdeaton. So in my age group, it was me, Craig Brownlee, who else was that? Joe David Nixon. I kind of think I think it was only Aldo Some Martin. Good players there. Aye. Good players. There, there was so uh, we kind of it was only really four or five years, and then it was four or five for like Ross Forbes, Jamie Murphy, and then it was a, we all went up to the the, the bigger team, which was we had them, and uh, so it was good. It was a good change. It was a good learning curve for all our young boys because we all sat in the corner at Fort Park and away changing room, and we watched these older guys 
dictate change rooms and just showed us what the ropes and what to do. And to be honest, to a certain point of view, they dictated the first team change room as well. With some of the players that were in there, there were big, a lot of bad characters in their change room. So, uh, but we're still close to this day. We're still Adams, obviously Adam and Craig Brownlee there on Nichols, and the majority of boys still play there. And I was playing there for a till Rossville asked me to come back and pull in the boots for them. So, but I think I'll go back to Nichols next year and I'll go and join them in the boys. Cause it was a good day. It was a good banter on a Saturday morning. Right. Who were the big characters in that dressing room? The two, the two was probably like Adam Coatley and Bobby Donnelly. They were the, they were the two big characters. They were, they were brilliant. They, they, they didn't let anything. They were tough. They, they, they were tough on us and they were tough on the rain. Older guys. Uh, so you kind of just looked into that and you kind of didn't want to put a face out of place. And it brought your, it brought your standards up in training. And, and to, I think to be honest with you, it all came for like Chris McCart. He kind of set the standards to, to Adam and Bobby, and he. It just came down the chain of command and he set standards to him and then he kind of set standards to us because I remember my first training session I was like the, the training drills I was maybe kicking about the parking lot and they were on my case the first fifth day dot so uh, and myself Ross Forbes as well and then you just it makes you the player you are it does so no it was it was a, it was a very good change room for to get to be brought up in definitely I guess you you were there and you were hoping to follow some of those boys some of the guys you mentioned there into the first team how did it kind of well did it affect you when the end came. Yeah, to be, to, to be brutally honest, uh, and I've never really thought about it until a couple of weeks ago, it was Ross Forbes that says to me, like, uh, when I was a mother, I, was, I wasn't the player I was. I had to take that step back to where I went to go and do my, to go and do my thing, to learn my trade and then go back up, which, and I, I never really, realisation never really hurt like that until we had that, I had that conversation with Ross going Adam that and they were saying, no, at Mother, you were not you were the player you are the now, uh, so you just need to look at you obviously stepping back, you benefited from that, getting released from Mother kind of thing, Yeah. as much as, much as I would have wished I went and played on like Europa League like Jamie and Ross did and go to Aberdeen like Mark Reynolds did, and, uh, but some people take different paths and I'm happy with the path I took. You obviously left Mother in 2007. Uh, and you decided, was it, I think it was Glen Afton you went from there, wasn't it? Yeah. What made you decide to step down to junior? Was that because that's where the options were, or could you have went to any other senior teams and be lower down the divisions? No, to be honest, it, was, it, was, it wasn't through choice. I, was, I went to I went to Airdrie for a week's trial uh, and get told they needed to go for experience. Uh, I went into Albion Rovers for two days trial and the same again they said they need to go with experience so I kind of was just scunnered with football to be honest and it was just it was Kenny Conley's brother Chick Conley uh, he he was at Glen Afton and he took me down there and he's he said come and play me and Gordon Dale was a manager down there and I went down and just transformed my whole career and to be fair turned me into the player I was and uh, toughened me up like a 18, 19 year old boy toughened me up and showed me the real realisation of how a, a man's game is, to be honest. You then get the move to Air United. How did you then find the change in going back from junior to senior? Was the standard miles different between a team like Glen Afton and Air United? It was, it was. Uh, as much as at the Glen Afton team, I don't know if any would be, as I said, you had Chuck Conley, you had Wally Howie, ex Party Thistle, Frankie Haggerty, ex Rangers, and you had Doyle, Jamie Doyle, who was an ex Clyde and Leicester. So that was the four midfield. So it was four people that set standards as well. And when I made the step up to United, it was, it was a good, I was obviously I had a good year at Glen Afton. Uh, I went up to Air. It took me probably about two months to settle, to be honest. Uh, and then it was two months. I was coming on as a sub 10, 15 minutes. And then I got my debut, I think it was September maybe, 
and then for then on I didn't look didn't look back at Aaron. Kind of the, their fans kind of took to me, and so the Brian Reed, it was kind of me and Brian Pronte played up front, and uh, I think Alec Williams it was it was in the team, so I kept Alec Williams at the team, and he was a experienced pro at that time, so uh, somebody must have had a bit of faith in me, so it, it was a hard step up, it was, but I kind of relished it, and going, coming for the juniors kind of taught me what I needed to what I needed to do. Did that then make you? I mean, when you had to go back to the juniors, I mean, it wasn't something that you were kind of. You'll get some people who will be. They'll look down the noses at the juniors, won't they? They'll they'll mm-hmm. look at it as if that is them stepping away from senior football for good. But were you kind of scared about going back there? If you like, if that's if that's the best way to put it. Again, also I was at Ayr and I moved. I went to I kind of dotted about a couple of clubs. I went to Alba, I went to Elgin, I went to Albion Rovers, and I got to that stage again that I would I got a job in the railway. And it was that time that I thought it's probably time I look away from football. Uh, so I kind of was looking to probably not be taking my football serious, and I, I was I wasn't going to I was nearly bothered about where I was going, and I never really thought about it too much. And it was a friend of the family's dad got the job at Rob Roy, and that's when he asked me to go, and that was when I took the step back down. I left that album and went to Rob Roy, and I, I wasn't, and it was again, it was like all my friends were there, like Kenny was there, Adam was there. Uh, Chick was there so there was a lot of pals I knew and that was probably the main reason why I went and it got me as everybody says it, you fall out of love with football you do and it got me feeling like I actually really like I like to take the sport a bit more serious again uh, so it was like that was also a good move and as you said like there is a lot of players that I play with in junior and I remember sitting in the Alawa change room there was three or four players that would say oh, I would never go junior football it's the worst ever junior's the worst ever and then Fast forward four or five years and they're back playing, they're playing with Huddleford and they're playing with <laughs> Pollock or Glen Afton. You're like, well, you can't sit and say things like that. I'm going to take you back to Alloa. There was a game where you've come off the bench and ended up in goals, am I right? <laughs> saving, saving a penalty and a cup tie. Uh, you're, surely, you're surely still dining out in that, are you not? Aye, aye. It was a bit surreal, to be honest. Uh, that was the second season at Alloa. Uh, the first season I played well, and then the second season I kind of was in and out. Went and loaned to Elgin, came back, and we got Hamill in the cup. Uh, and I kind of thought my time was out with Alloa. I was on the bench, and I came on as a sub. I think it was 15 minutes to go, and we'd used all our subs. Uh, and it was just one of the ones. Everybody just turned and looked at each other, and I was like, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it, no worries. And then the, the keeper, Robbo. I remember him walking off and he walked off with a vest and I had my strip on and his goalie top and top. So I was like, after it was obviously for a couple of years denying, he's like to me, why did you not give me your strip? You made me walk off with a, with a vest on. <laughs> so, uh, but I was good. when in goals and it was, it was Simon Ensign that took the penalty. So just 50-50, I need to take a guess and you end up going the right way and saving it. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was a mental moment. It was brilliant. I, but uh, Davy Weir was on sports team that night and he absolutely slaughtered me he's like look how far he is off his line give <laughs> <laughs> was a break man I've just saved a penalty he's like I was, I was about four or five yards off my line but he absolutely slaughtered me I was like jeez so uh, but it was good it was a good moment and it was uh, the press was mental that night I was uh, inundated with the next day in the papers as well it was good it was, it was good had you ever played in goal at all in your life before? no no that was the first time but fast forward a couple of years it went and I went in goals for Talbot against Hurlford uh, in the league decider. No, it was a Scottish semi-final. And that, that is actually on YouTube. And uh, Somebody sent me the other day, I think it was one of the, that comes up in the, the history of Facebook, and they sent me it. Uh, 
Big Andy Leishman get sent off. We were three one up for the first leg. Big Andy get sent. We one 0 down. Big Andy get sent off. Penalty again saved it. And then it was, I saved the penalty. We were over the bar, but then they got a corner. The corner they scored for that, so it was a bit of a deal there. But but, uh, but it was good. So at least I've got that one in video. I've not got the other one in video, but I've got that one in video. You're talking about going back junior and going to Auckland Lake, but I think sometimes maybe people who listen to the podcast actually don't realise the size of a club like Auckland Lake. I mean, tell us a wee bit about Auckland Lake and the size of the club and how they would compare now if they actually did get through the pyramid system, because I think they would be fine, you know, going even into Division 2 of Scottish football, not a problem. They would be. They would be. From 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 right down to the bottom to the top, they'll run like a proper, proper club. Uh, I've been at some, I've been at loads of first division, second division clubs, and obviously I've been at Auckland Light. has run much better than, uh, no disrespect to the other teams, but just the way Everton and Auckland Light's run from the committee supporters, fans, that's their club. Every person in Auckland Light supports Auckland Light. That's the good thing about it, is that they are fanatics. They, they've got so many people just go and help. They don't want any money, they don't want any payment. They just go and help, and that's their club, and that's their wee bit. But, Obviously, the, the big the big thing is the, the playing side. The, the the manager and the players they're the ones that, that make the club kind of stand out. It is a wee bit, and the manager obviously has got his own wee niche that he seems to be doing. Uh, he seems to do well with whoever what players he has. So it's a special club it is, uh, and I don't I think they'll I think they'll not belong till they're in League Two. That's for sure. Are they your kind of benchmark a little bit? I've seen you sort of say that you want to aim for a top four the very least next season but mm-hmm. do, do you think people in that league going in in this season will be looking at them as the ones to to catch and the ones to try and keep up with i think i think you've got to i think you're, you're being silly if you don't and obviously i know mike kennedy well and darvo and they will also be up there as well my other team that i played with pollock will be up there so i think there'll be a lot of teams up there in the world but Auckland lights are benchmark that you need to meet you need if you if you're above Auckland Lake, you're probably going to be champions. That's what the what the aim is. But be, I think there will be a lot of hard teams next year. There'll be a lot. Of, this, the league will be interesting. Uh, and then obviously you'll have the, the teams below that, like your Clyde Banks, Rossville. They'll be good. They'll be they'll be flying as well. So it'll be a good season next year. It'll be a good team league next year. Uh, but I think Auckland Lake will be the benchmark definitely. What is it about the juniors? Do you think? I mean, obviously in in a sense the West now are losing their juniors, but. What have you enjoyed about the whole juniors experience? You know, at uh, was it Glen Afton, Rob Roy, Talbot, and Pollock? Mhm. The standard, to be honest, the standard is really high. The standard is is very high. Uh, and everybody, everybody, you see, everybody wants to win, but everybody does. It's like cutthroat. Everybody is. It's just the standard and the the, the professionalism that a lot of clubs bring that people don't realise is is massive. Which and it makes the game better, and it makes your training better. It makes everybody like the game at that lower leagues better, which which I think has been really good. Uh, and as I said, a lot of clubs have a lot of managers, a lot of ex players have asked me, senior players have said to me, "What's so good about the juniors?" Or uh, it's just like you need to come and sample it for yourself. You you don't need to come down. You need to see the you need to see the fans are right behind you, like touching distance, and they're on your case. Uh, and then you're getting a bit of camaraderie and a bit of banter with them as well and, and then the players the players are trying their hardest as well and there's a lot of, a lot of talent in that in the league so that's for sure You stepped out of junior football then for a while and went to Clyde and I think I read that you Barry Ferguson was your boyhood hero mm-hmm. you've talked about standards like so with Adam and that in the changing room the standards that he must have set he's renowned for that in training must have rubbed off in you and how have you found Going into management, have you took anything from him that's 
that's kind of helped you with your, with your training sessions? Yeah, uh, probably the, and as I say, no disrespect to any other managers I've had, because I've had great managers like Alan Maitland and even Muddy Paul, it was a great help for me, but the two kind of managers I've, I'm going to set, I've set my goals, my standards with is, is, is Tucker at Talbot and F- Barry Ferguson when I was at Clyde, that's the two that I'll be taking with me and taking the two of their wee bits, I've got Barry Ferguson's standards that he put in, he demanded on people at training and it, 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 every training drill we did and even Bob, Bob Balcom's training drills, that's what we've took with us, me and Sean and then obviously I've got Tucker's mentality and the way he wants to win and the way he, the, the things he said that got his players up for every junior game is which I've kind of took with me so no, the, the Barry Ferguson standards that he had was incredible, and uh, it's it was a joy. It was a it, it was a joy to play with him. Didn't he goes probably as well as he wanted, but for me personally, it was just to see there and watch what he could bring to me, me and for the team was was, was brilliant. Uh, it was good. How have you found that transition of stepping into the dugout from being the player going in there into the changing room? Uh, it's hard. It has been hard, and there's a few times I've had to kind of. Sean said maybe assistant manager said to say well you need to take a step back or whatever like nights out or get involved maybe try to bit of banter in the WhatsApp group and it's supposed to be I'm supposed to be the manager on that sometimes I have had to but I realise like oh I can't I can't do that and when obviously previously I was in in a, in a part of the team and I was on a night out and I was having a laugh and things like that so now you can't you can't do that now you're the manager and then just even the way you talk to folk as well you can obviously have a bit of banter if you're player to player but in the managing you need to kind of watch what you're saying because people take your, whatever you're saying to them they heart obviously you were in as manager of Rossville Rossville are a club over the years that obviously my son plays youth football and they've always played against mm-hmm. these teams they've had a massive club then they've gotten into the juniors but they've done exceptionally well in, in the way they've just come up through the ranks of the juniors can you tell us a little bit more about the club and, and how you end up getting there Hey. <laughs> It's a, it's, a, it's a strange one because if you were to ask anybody they'd be like I can't believe you're a manager like what made you go for a manager and I, I, my wife still says it to me to, to this day uh, as much I manage guys at work I manage probably like 40 guys at work but I never ever thought I would go into management in football I thought after I'm playing I would go to Nikos and that would be me but I had one day just had a coffee with Kiri McInespe he's a close friend of mine and we were just talking to him. he was just obviously leaving Clay Bank at the time uh, and he was saying to me about going for that job and I was like no nah, I didn't even think about it it was just like a tongue in cheek comment uh, but then as we started getting in conversation he said Moff's probably going to get the, the Clyde Bank job he's like I think you should go for the Rossfield be a good starting point for you and I was just didn't even think anything of it and I was like I may as well then may as well uh, so mustered up a CV sent it off and that was like Thursday sent it off heard back the Friday went for the interview on the Monday Got the job the Wednesday morning. I went to Dubai the Wednesday afternoon <laughs> for two for two weeks. Uh, so that's how that was how quick the transition was. It was just kind of doing. Do, do, when I went for the interview on the Monday, I just kind of put my cards on the table and everything that I was going to be and bring as a young manager the contacts I kind of hope to still have in the game uh, and my philosophy that from but as I said, I said it was clear in the Barry Ferguson and Tucker. That's the two kind of people I were putting together and I'll be trying promote as myself as these two guys together so they came out and found something that was was they liked something about it and they, they've given me the, they gave me the job so it was just I was it was a total fast process and it was just I didn't even get time to sit down and explain to my wife right I'm going to be a manager so if you're chucking football here what's going on so but it was good I, I, I couldn't I wouldn't imagine that I enjoyed it as much as I do but no I do love it and 
as you said, Rossville's a club, they've got loads of youth in their academy. It's, I didn't realise how big their academy is from the early eight, under eights all the way up to the, the, the juniors. And then they've got a women's team and they've got, they've got loads of they've got loads of background that I think this season, next season, it's going to fruition, everything's going to come out and they're going to just have everything with the whole youth working with the first team uh, and then the development squad working with the first team development squad working for the 19s the women's squad and the first team there's going to be a lot of changes and everybody working together it's got a real foundation hasn't it uh, and what about what about having to play is it Ben Bob you're playing your, your games how, you, how have you found that that's the only problem that we don't have our own facilities well we do have our facilities but they don't meet the standards of the, the which was the, the top junior and they don't meet the standards now of the new west but Again, it's another one of the things I'm like, well, it's no issue because we, we played there last year. We played how many, whatever, how many games since we came in and we won, we won a good few. So uh, I'm happy with Ben, but I understand that the committee in it and for the whole Rossville Foundation, as you said, probably want to go to Hunters Hill. But as it stands in there, Ben Bob's where it's going to be our park and I like it to be fair. It's, it's easy enough to get to. It's, easy, it's a good surface. It's a good relationship we've got, we've got with Ben Bob. So there's no, there's no real urge of changing. Uh, and without obviously the Rossville committee and all that, we don't have a great support. We do not have a great support, so it's not as if we're we're asking loads of some fans to come and travel. Uh, we're getting family, friends, we're getting people from if they don't make the Rangers game, they're coming to the uh, to watch Rossville because that happened last year. I think the Rangers Aberdeen Rangers Hibs game get cancelled last minute, like at half two or two o'clock. And we end up getting like 100, 200 people at our game. So it was things like that. And you're like, it was brilliant. So uh, it's, it's, I don't mind Ben, but it's, it's good enough for me now. And I think it's good enough for the committee because we've got a good relationship with them. And uh, I think the two, two of us are going to, us and Ben, Bob are going to try and push together to, to promote the stadium and to going forward in the new West League. So no plans to go back to Hunters Hill then? No, at the moment, no. I think that I think the committee are working in the background with the council and that, but I think you're talking maybe good three, four years uh, at least. So I, th- at the, at the moment in time, there's no plans on after these kind of sailed where we are. Tell us about Sean as well. Sean, uh, I mean, when, when did you two first meet? You, you played together at Clyde, presumably, did you? But did you know yeah. him before then? No, we played together at Clyde and uh, we kind of hot off. It was one of the other fatalists. You sort of sat next to each other and the two years just, I kind of, to be fair, I was probably the one that just annoyed him because he's a series pro and he's everything's all his stuff's all lined out to immaculate and I just used to stick, have a banana and then fly in his bag and <laughs> a bottle of water in his bag and then we'd go home and he'd text me that night. So it was just kind of one of the relationships. We two years played well together for the first six months. It was me and Sean up front. Uh, no, no much pace, to be honest with you, but the two years played up front. Uh, and then we worked well together. Sean went back to mid, midfield and uh, we've just, no, but just since Clyde, we've always kept in touch. And also I knew Kiri McInespie. Sean was his number two at Clyde Bank uh, and then when, when Kiri was leaving Sean kind of spoke to Sean and he was saying that he's probably going to look at leaving with, uh, when the new manager comes in with his backroom staff so uh, it was a no-brainer for me basically because he's got uh, all the, every licence under the sun when it comes to coaching I think he's got A, B for everyone I've not got any he's got everyone so uh, it was a no-brainer for me definitely Is he he's still playing? He's still playing uh-huh. he doesn't want to but he was, uh, he's, he was, he was good for us last year. Uh, he, he was good, he done well for us. He, he gave us that bit of experience and steel that we needed. Uh, he started off up front, 
starting they went to attack midfield and they went to centre mid and now I think he finished off there defensive mid so I think he's trying to work his way back so uh, but no he was good for us he's good in training his training drills are good as well he puts a lot of his training drills on what we brought for Fergie Bob and uh, the stand he sets I set standards very high but he's his standards are, are are high as well and he's he's right on the players' case as well and they respect him because. He doesn't show up about playing the Europa League, so they need to listen to him. That's for sure. <laughs> I'll give you, a, I'll give you a, a great story to take back to him. Uh-huh. So, I was at Hartlepool doing the first team recruitment, and uh, Peter Eustace was the the chief scout. I can't remember where Sean was at the time. Was he been playing with someone like Peter Head or something like that? Was he was he up there? Uh, Ross County. Ross County. So, I bring Peter. Yes, you need to see this boy. He's a right good player. Brings Peter up and uh, we watch him play and he had a great game. And his mum and dad were there and we met his mum and dad before the game. Peter Eustace goes back down the road and on the Tuesday I get a phone call from the Hartlepool manager. He says, uh, what about this boy? He, the chief scout says he's not very good. What do you mean he's not very good? I says, he was raving about him. He, you know, he had a right good game. He says, Wait, teams he playing number nine in the whites? I says, no, he was number nine in the Dolphins. <laughs> well, that, that's a true story. <laughs> Never got shown a move down to Hartlepool. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> How lucky is that? Oh, <laughs> nearly got it. Nice. Metro and dad never that day. <laughs> aye, because they're they're Airdrie. He's, he's from Airdrie. Aye. Aye, he's, he's good. He's, he's a great player, man. He is. He played with Ross County all his days. He scored him and I think every Saturday when we were at Clyde, he used to check who scored for Ross County because I think he was top goal scorer. But now Mid just took over, so uh, he's done there. Went to St Johnson, so now he's been a great help for me on and off the park. As I was saying earlier, that sometimes he's pulled me aside and said, "Listen, King Denis Nee." no do that or wind your neck in or don't talk to him like that and it's, it was just me and him for the majority of the season last year uh, but now we've managed I've managed to build a bit of background stuff and uh, I think someone you know as well Paul uh, Bill Rayside oh I managed, Billy, aye. I managed, Billy, managed to get Bill, Bill Rayside to come in just to kind of be like a, a liaison with us in the youth development and He's obviously worked with other youth as well, so he's going to be, he's in the first team coach, but he'll be working alongside the youth development, the new development squad, and kind of pointing him in the right direction and things like that, so, yeah, I Bill Burrell, he's a good tell, but I know Bill, obviously, for the Motherwell days, and then yeah, for Paul, and then he went for Clyde Bank, so, yeah, it's good to get that older head as well, because I don't want to be screaming at young boys, and I need to have kind of pull me say, listen, you can't do that either, so, it's all a learning curve for me, and getting these guys in next to me is going to hopefully benefit me and Rossville. Because Bill was at East Kilbride, wasn't he? Was he yeah. up there at the time? Right. Yeah, he was at East Kilbride. I think last year, last year he was at East Kilbride, aye. He was. So. Back to Sean, what a suntan, eh? Oh, don't, man. Oh. He's so vain, man. He loves you, so. <laughs> don't, man. So, uh, what a set of teeth in a tan. Teeth in tan, that's him. <laughs> he is. Like Ryan Clark. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but he's been good. He's been a great help. A good, good addition for us. And uh, I've got Gary McGrath as well, who's a player coach as well. He's come in, so the two of them want to chuck it, but nah, they'll be playing because the two of them are probably our best players last year. You, you talk about not planning to be a manager, but and then how you flew away to Dubai just after taking the job. How have you, how did you find you know the games? And you I mean you had some good results, didn't you? You know, considering you were you were kind of uh, not quite thrown in there, but. You know, you, uh-huh. you were kind of learning as you were going, I suppose, a little bit as well. Um, 100%. Uh, it was a learn as you go, and it was, I remember my first team talking, it was, I was a, a bag of nerves, I was. Uh, but it was a way to come, not the Scottish as well. But no, we, we, we 
we picked up good results. We went ten games unbeaten. Uh, we won nine, drew one against uh, Pollock. So we managed. We got ourselves in a very good position because when we took over, I think we sent ball me two points. And then we took over and we managed to get us up to like four, fifth, six. Uh, and I think if the season continued, we would have been safe a hundred percent. We went a decent, not bad. We run in the Scottish, beat Cumnock away. And then we go Lock and Lake, and that was when they beat us two one, uh, and we were up one 0 So no, we done well, and the boys the boys reacted well because we kind of came in and we set our own standards. We changed a few things, uh, changed systems and that, and spoke to a few players and asked a few players to do some different things for us, uh, and a few of the players brought them into a comfort zone, uh, and they've managed to go on and get decent bear moves from what not a decent move but another move from this year so they've done well for us and we just installed that I know listening to a few of the podcasts that people talk about professionals and I don't want to sound like one of the stereotype kind of managers but we did bring that back to professionalism too and and I got it from Fergie everything that he drilled in and when I was at United I had like Ryan Stevenson and Chris Aitken so I had like big players telling me what to do and showing me what professionalism is because when I went to Auckland Lake there was no professionalism there but it was just a whole bunch of boys just having a good laugh but I brought this in and we've done everything by clockwork and we kind of took the relaxed approach away which kind of made the guys be on their toes with us so and they reacted to it they reacted and made, made some decent performances like away to Hurlford 3-1 away to Glenafton 2-1 away to Pollock 1-H away to up 3-1 so beat Med at home 4-2 so it was like great results and we got a great we got ourselves in a great position so but that's and all the guys, some of the guys have moved on, but the guys that are there know what we're going to be doing, and it's going to be hard for them because we're going to expect exactly the same standards and exactly the same everything that they done gave us last year. We're going to expect that. I saw your captain, or your former captain, David Ledbetter. He 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 left, and I don't obviously know the mechanics of it, but it made me think about. I mean, he'd been there, I think, since since he'd been a young boy, and I mean, how have you how have you found the whole? Sitting players down and telling them they're released, they're, they're they're going, they're not good enough for the club. Is that is that been the biggest kind of learning curve or the, the hardest part of, of the job for you? It's been hard. It has been. Uh, we probably offered probably every day a new contract. Terms were different. We we, we got a budget and we kind of worked with it and we not everybody was going to get offered the same money as they were on last year. So we kind of gave them release terms and. We never gave them nice terms for them to move. We gave them nice terms because that's what we we needed to do. And if they weren't, I mean, we kind of expected some players weren't going to sign for it. So we knew we knew the conversation was going to happen, and it's just it's life. That's football. I spoke to probably about fifty players in the last three months, and I've said exactly the same thing to them. See if you're going. See if you're going to go to a Pollock or something. I'm not taking no taking the wrong way. I don't care, but it's football. It needs to happen. So don't feel as if you need to have that awkward conversation with me. It's just fine. It's just the way the football works. But in terms of my squad, I think it was about... I think that the squad that I had inherited last year came up really the last three divisions. They worked their way up every division. Same squad, maybe just adding one or two players. So And when we got to there, before me and Sean took over, they were kind of in a wee bit of a rut. They were were sitting second bottom. So I think it was just about time for that squad just to maybe get broke up a wee bit. And... It's harsh and it's a, it's a horrible thing, but it's football. And I think it was just about time that we had to break up with the, the, a lot of that squad for Rossfield to progress to the next stage. 
and that's what we've had to do. And we've, we've probably let, we've not let go, but with our nine players have left us, maybe ten. We've re-signed six or seven, plus Sean and Gary, and then we've brought in another ten. So I think it was just about time that it was just about time that the squad kind of just people went our separate ways. And as you said, with the captain led, but uh, I think it was just about time that people like him, and then obviously there's Jackson, there's there's loads of players. They just it was a, and, these, and these guys done well for us last year when we came in. Derry McNabb, striker, scored loads of goals, and it was just a just one of the things. I think it was just time for the squad just to to be departed and try and build something fresh for this league. I saw earlier today. Uh, we're recording this on on Monday night. Earlier today, a note went out saying that Rossville are going to keep their junior status and participate in the in the junior cup. Is, yeah. was, was that was that something that that, that you were quite keen to do? Yeah, it was, and uh, when the whole came out about the juniors and that was us leaving, I asked Sean and Sean's like, no, I think it'll be too much for us. We're going to have X, Y, or Z league cup cups uh, in this new league, and I was like, well, we don't know, we don't know. I said, so see, why not just go for the junior cup? Cause see, and then obviously I said it's good to win it because I've done it three times, so <laughs> I've told I twice, sorry, I've told him that, but he said I need bother. But I think it is, it's it's, it's something that. It's, still going to have its history if you win that junior cup you're still going to be have that great history you're still going to be everybody talking about you so if it does get too much then we can deal with it there and then uh, and it's like we just you just need to roll wait and see what you get if we all can like manage to do it every year with senior scottish junior scottish everything so why can we not try it and the more cups you're in the better on it i think the the scottish junior cup last night we got asked to apply whether we were going to apply back into it or not and I'm in a group chat with a lot of different managers and committees and everybody was saying they were leaving but then last night I see there's a there's been quite a big change of heart and a, and a few people have decided not to go we obviously decided not to go for it because realist, realistically that it's going to be difficult for, for our team to do anything and, and you're getting away in a way trip that's going to cost you money and stuff like that. So we obviously opted to move over. But I think uh, for a team like Rossville, a team's with real ambition, they've got a real chance now. Uh, I'm not sure the Dock and Lake in that rejoin. Yeah. They did. I, so. I got a list of the names just a, about 40 minutes before I came on this call about who wasn't growing. I was like, I hope that's not one of the questions she's asked me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as you say, there's a real ambition and a hand on heart if we didn't get Rossville if we didn't sorry if we didn't get Auchin Lake in the Scottish I thought we I think we would have had a good chance and I, I do honestly do because we took Auchin Lake right to the wire as well scored in 80, 80 whatever minute was so we took them right to the wire and I think we had that bit of belief and I was kind of pushed because the league was a wee bit secure I was kind of pushing the cup let's all out for the cup but we weren't to be so no, that that's going to be his ambitions for us next year. Is let's go and win something. If it's a junior cup, the West, whatever it is, we need to win something. And for you, David, obviously, probably give you two of your greatest days in, in your football career. I'm sure winning that Scottish Cup. Did it did the two as you said, two best days of my career. Uh, the phenomenal. And I remember the day I signed Walking Light, and I kept saying, them, "Surely the league's bigger. Winning the league has got to be bigger than winning a cup." And there was like, "Just wait." Brian Young said to me, just wait until we're there. And I'm like, but I don't understand. The league said your bread and butter. That's it. He's like, I'm not even going to get in this conversation. Just wait to be one. And uh, needless to say, just it was phenomenal. Open top bus, just it was just crazy, crazy. 
then we had to we had to stag do the next day, so it was just it was it was just non-stop drinking, sl- no sleep, and then you're straight in a plane to Benidorm. It was just everything. It was just brilliant about it. And when you get down there, down you're like you you don't pay for a drink. You don't you, your hand doesn't go in your pocket, and you can't because the time you you've shouted out some one of the fans has put a drink on your hand, and it's just it was crazy. And it's just they opened up the big hall, and there's just a big disco, it's just party. And it was brilliant. It is. It's such a surreal moment, but. I don't think we'll have that at Rossville. I think it'll be. <laughs> I think if we were to get to the final, I'd, I would struggle with fill the stand, but uh, <laughs> but it'd be good to get there definitely. We, we, we talked about the the revamping of football at, at like your level, but um, is there part of you for somebody who's come through the juniors, as we as we've spoken about, is there a part of you sad to see the juniors kind of evaporate and just kind of go away and do you think that kind of same heart can still be maintained you know in the new setup as i said because the juniors has a great history it has and it goes all the way back to before way before my time your tables and teams like that were that massive but uh it's sad but it's a, a new leaf for a lot of teams that a lot of teams have got this ambition they want to be in the league too and that's not going to it's not going to happen for most of them but it's just, as I said at the start, probably the podcast, it's, I kind of just rolled with the times, wherever somebody tells me Rossville's going to be, that's where they are, and that's where I'll concentrate, but it's it's just one of the things, you just, you're, whoever you're up against, you just need to go and win, and no matter where it is, if it's League 2, League, league like, in a conference or something, everybody just needs to go and win their games, and do the best for their own self and the team. I guess we, we can't kind of... Not- you know, have you on the podcast and not ask you about those those games against Cumnock when you were playing for Auchinleck? I mean, <laughs> what, what what were they like? Tell us tell us some kind of some kind of background and some history oh. of those games when when you played. I mean, is it as what's it like when you're in the park? What's it like when mm-hmm. you're walking out in the park? What's it like after the game if you've won or lost? It's horrible. It's a horrible, <laughs> horrible but good atmosphere. The year before I signed with Auchinleck, uh, Kenny was down at. Auchinleck and Chick was at Cumnock, his brother, and I went to watch him. That was the time the whole, the the, the riots on the park with the horses and that. I was like, I was, jeez, what's going on here, man? I was at Air United, I was like, what's going on here? This is mental, but uh, it was, uh, it was crazy. So, but then when I played, it was, it was mental, just as mental, because Cumnock were decent. Cumnock were good at that point, so it was good, good matches. Uh, I remember once, one game just particular, I remember one, I don't know if he's a, I think he's I've been down at Auckland Lake before the the stadium. So the 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 pitch is right close to the side of the, the wee wall. So I went the ball went out of play and the wall just bounced the ball just bounced off the wall and I went to get it to take a to take a throw in quickly and I just got this yank with my shoulders. Just a Cumberland fan just yanked me back. <laughs> <laughs> he's like you're, you're, you're not taking that throw in quick son I was like you are scary and then <laughs> during that I think it was that game one of the boys got away a pie and all that it was just it was just mental it's just the did, you relish, did, did you look did you look forward to the games I mean in a weird oh. way did you relish them or, or did you kind of I mean I, I guess if you if you didn't relish them you wouldn't have been signed for the club in the first place would you if you can't couldn't handle that kind of atmosphere oh. It was brilliant. It was the atmospheres were brilliant, and when I when I played, we had a lot of we Hurlford with just the time that they just put a lot of money into the team as well with Stuart Keane signing and players like that, and they had a lot of good players. So that was a bit of a rivalry as well. So see playing against Hurlford and Cumnock, it was a, you had four big massive games a year, and it was good. Uh, playing down to Cumnock was it was horrible sometimes. It was because you need to walk down like a big tunnel. Uh, and they've got the two, they've got the Cumnock fans either side. He just hurling abuse at you, and just I just 
I was everything under the sun and obviously I'm a bit heavier than most players so I got the yeah, but then you, but you're looking at the guy and you're like, how can you shout at me? You're twice my size, mate. But it's just the part and parcel of it. Well, I love that. I love that kind of the banter with the, the fans. More ambitious signs in the Lowland League. East Cabride have appointed Stevie Aitken as their new manager. The former Dumbarton and Stranraer boss has taken Ian Durant to K Park as his assistant manager. His brother Chris comes in from Stranraer as first team coach. Another man who's left Stranra is Ryan Stevenson. The former Hearts man has rejoined Troon. They've also brought fans' favourite Jack Patterson back to Portland Park for a second spell after he left for Qatar. Clydebank have re-signed Paul Byrne for next season after he made 30 appearances. And Beath keeper Reagan Maliska has extended his contract for another season. The 19-year-old signed in November after spells at Rochdale, Chivas USA and Annan. Uh, Larry McMahon has also agreed a new deal for season 2021. Which brings us on to our feature Inside the Mind. Each week we'll put our guest on the spot to look deep into their psyche and discover some hidden stories. You ready for this, David? Yes. <laughs> so first up, who is your <laughs> who is your idol as a boy? Oh, I grew up as a Rangers fan. Uh, and as I said, we spoke about earlier, Barry Ferguson was probably... He was the heart and soul of Rangers uh, when I was growing up. So at a young age, he was a captain. That he was that he was my idol. But in terms of my position, I was a forward. It was like Cristiano, no Cristiano, Ronaldo, Al Nine, and Gabriel Bastut. It was the two players that I kind of focused on uh, my game around. But Bastut, it was like the whole the old Channel Four Italian football was on. So that was uh, I used to watch that. And used to love Bastut playing with Fiorentina. He was brilliant. So they two probably as my position as a forward. He'd have been a different stature to you, though, I suppose. He was he was kind of taller and more of a target man, you know? Target man, aye. But I was, and then obviously Ronaldo was a bit pacey. So the two, I kind of, I never got my game to theirs, but it was just good to watch him. When I was growing up, Ronaldo, our nine was at his peak. He was unbelievable. He was brilliant. Uh, so it was just good watching it too. Okay, who's the opponent that you always dreaded facing? I was thinking about this today, also, when Paul sent me questions through, it was... I don't know why I sound like I never ever had an opponent I, was, I feared or anything, but one that does stick in my mind or two, it does stick in my mind when I was, in, I was at Air United and we played against Rafe Rovers and we had to beat them uh, up at Starts Park and the two centre-halves that day were Mark Campbell and Marvin Andrews <laughs> and, I, and I just remembered, I, was, I think it was a goal kick and I just remembered Luton standing there and I looked around and I just looked at the two of them and I was like, the two of them and I was head and shoulders above me and I was like, I think it was Chris Aitken I spoke to and I was like, how am I supposed to win a header against A2? <laughs> and needless to say, we won one now, I scored the winner and it was a, a long ball at the top. The keeper came out, Marvin Andrews went to header it, Mark Campbell went to header it, three of them, kaboom, and the ball just <laughs> fell out my path and I, I scored. So, uh, But that was what stuck in my mind was A2, big monsters, A2. Good stuff. Uh, what was the favourite football top you wore and why? <sighs> I don't know. I liked the Air United one because it was a nice white, pristine white. It was nice. Uh, but in terms of outside the box, it was the when I was at Auckland Lake, we had an away top and it was like the Croatia top. Oh, yeah. Blue and white. And it was strange because they just came in with one season and said, this is your away top and all that. It's got nothing to do with anything. <laughs> so it was just one of the tops, but it was, it was, it was one of the ones that ah, I liked that one, huh, probably. Uh, Who was the best player you've played with? It's all different stages of this. I was when yeah. I was thinking about it earlier. So, growing up when I was at school, 
uh, my school football team, Graham Dones was in my school. He was one of my good pals when I was at school. So Graham Dones probably, he, and then back then he was just going on to the Livingston scene, so he was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so he was really, really good. When I was at Motherwell, probably in like in training or reserve games, you had like Scott McDonald and that was was really good. Uh, people like that. And then as I said, Ryan Stevenson, Chris Aitken. So if I don't even know, even Sean as well. Sean was intelligent. He was very intelligent. So there's probably all the kind of guys I'll throw in the mix. I can't. I don't think I could pick one to be honest. Was was there one that kind of got the best out of you? Maybe a strike partner who got the best out of you? Brian Pronty got the best out of me as the two had bounced off together. Him and Keir Mulligan when I was at Auckland Light, because they two done all my running and I done all the hold up play. Yeah. But individually. Uh, you, obviously you've got your Ryan Stevenson that, but I'd probably say that probably Brian Prunty would be the one I would say because I played we played the area with him and then I followed him to Alwa, uh, and the two years kind of we bounced off each other and he's obviously one of my good friends as well so he was good You mentioned Mick Kennedy earlier uh, he's given us the best answer to this question so far what's the best practical joke you've seen played? I, I probably know I, I couldn't think of one that stood stood out in my mind to, to be honest. Apart from the usual, like someone gets stung for like oh, it's fancy dress at New Year, uh, and everything was going casual stuff like that. But I remember obviously there was a few funny ones when I was at YT Motherwell. We used to always get the guys in the hamper and stick them in the middle of the park, and like and then the the like you'd like a work experience school coming through, and these guys are jumping at a hamper just pants on a lot. Everything's shocked and things like that, but. A, a, a funny story I'll tell you about which quickly was when I was at United we went in pre-season to Ireland to Belfast uh, and we were all in a nightclub and we were all just, just standing at a bar just chatting and next thing somebody's like where's Dean Keenan and we're like I don't know I don't know and then you just see him come through the door and he had a skinhead and we're like where did you go for that and he's like I just jumped there the, the, during the night out just jumped across the road got a skinhead and came back he's a full heat of hell and he left us everybody's face was all puzzled just looking at each other man here what just happened you just went to a nightclub 10 o'clock at night got a haircut and came back <laughs> so he was uh, uh, his stories are good so uh, pranks wise I can't really think because obviously I, I was pranking I was probably part of a lot of the pranks but Stories wise, there's a Dino's story was like a Gina for the haircut. Just, it was just strange. Everybody was like, so bizarre. You've got a haircut during the night out, but that was good. Did he, uh, did he regret it next morning? No, or was he, he still quite happy? He doesn't regret anything. I don't know if he's known, but he doesn't regret anything, that guy. So, uh, no, he's, he's, uh, he was just buzzing. Because I think he just got up the next day and I think we were back on the ferry and back on the drink. So it was one of the ones that no time to regret it. As well as managing Rossville, Davey, you also work for C&G System, who also have a pretty unique involvement with Dumbarton. Perhaps you can tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so we started off, C&G have been a, a railway company. Um, we deal with the health and safety side of it. Uh, and we had three or four footballers on our books at the time. Uh, and my boss was just, he was wanting to kind of invest in money, invest in some sort of football team. And he wanted to do Albion Rovers at first, and then he wanted to go and do... He spoke about Albion Rovers and spoke about the Lowland League team, and then Dumbarton came up, uh, and I went down and spoke to him about the sponsorship of the stadium, and we managed to get the sponsorship for three years. Uh, and we said to them we'd work alongside... It was it was Aitken at the time, and we said we'd work alongside Aitken and try and get players in, and we could maybe potentially give them a job in the back of it as well. So they're getting some part-time money, and they're getting some wages from the railway as well so 
we done it. We obviously with Stuart Carswell and Kyle Hutton, who the two are still they they were there, and I think at the time we had Ross Forbes. So I think that was the three at the start. So we kind of built on that. Uh, we brought Roddy Loy, Mick Payton, Bobby Barr, can I mean Ross Perry. So with a few, we'd probably like eight or nine of the, the Martin team at one point. They were all working with us. Uh, and then it's just we're still actively still doing it there now. That was last season. Uh, this season, obviously, the whole coronavirus has kind of took a bit of a stop, but uh, we're still actively. We spoke to Jim Duffy and we've said to Jim that if this summer, if he's got any potential potential signings, then if they're looking for a job, then we could we could potentially give them some shifts during, during the week to bump up their wages. So it's been it was good for them so f- last year, the last couple of years, it's been good. Uh, and obviously, speaking to Kyle, Kyle and uh, Kyle and Stuart, they too love it doing the part time football and working in the railway. The work life balance is good. So they they've kind of when you speak to the players, they kind of tell the players of what they do at night and things that they're doing. They kind of enjoy it. And the players all mainly do night shifts. Night shifts, aye. Yeah. So it's night shifts. So it's, it's all night shift. Uh, and it's six nights a week, Saturday to Thursday, and they kind of do three. So if the two players come in, somebody will do the three and three kind of thing, they work together. Somebody will do the first week, three days, and then they're back three days, and then next week it will change. So there's kind of rotation in that. Uh, it's night shift, but you're out. You get paid eight hours, and you're probably only out for like four or five. So if you were to ask any of the guys that have been there, it's a, it's a good number. Uh, but uh, uh, it's good so far. And as I said, I, I joined the railway when I was... I think when I had left the air, I think it was, or when I was getting back junior, I, I joined the railway uh, 24, and I've been in it since, I've been in it for nearly eight, nine years now, so it's been good for me, when I was playing, I enjoyed it, because you were up working night shift, you were up 12, you could go to the gym, do what you've got to do for your trip, you were up, and you are fresh for training that night, so I felt as if I was at my peak when I was working the night shift, because I had a lot of time to relax before training, and then a Friday night I was off, so I had a lot of time just to relax for my game on Saturday. So I felt as if that was when I was at my peak. So I've kind of tried to use my experience with the guys. And when I'm bringing people on, and we need to do a whole interview process with the job. Uh, we can't just take anyone on because their livelihood's at risk. So when I do the interview process, it's one of the things I speak to the guys about. It's my experience. And is it, what kind of work are you doing then through the night? Is it maintenance or, or, or work on the railways to make sure they're up to speed for when the trains start the next morning? Yes, it's the latter there. So it's, it's we're most health and safety side. So we're hope more we make sure it's safe for the guys to do the maintenance. Uh, so we do a wee bit of work at the start of the night. We get everything set up at the start, and at the end of the night we take it down. So there's a two or three window hour period that the guys are probably isolating. Uh, they're not really doing much, but they just need to make sure they're keeping themselves busy uh, for the, the the maintenance guys finishing, and then we come in and we finish, we tidy up, and make sure the trains are running for the next day. That for the passenger trains and everything safe for the trains. Would you expect maybe, I mean, there could be people listening to this podcast right now with the current state of play in Scottish football. We've seen lots of interviews already about players who are wondering where the next wage is going to come from. I mean, would you maybe expect more guys to get in touch possibly with the likes of yourselves? Because it could become not just more important, it could become vital to some people's livelihoods. If they can dovetail the, the work with the football, that could, that could be massive right now, couldn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I know from the first year that we've done it with Aiken, two or three of the guys contacted myself first, and then I passed the details on Aiken and said, like, would you be interested in X, Y, or Z? Uh, and he's like, oh, I, I didn't know he was available. So it works both ways with us, but 
I think now, now I'm the manager of Rossfield, I'll be going <laughs> Rossfield first and end them. I'll be going, I'll be going Rossfield and end them, Barton. But no, I'll kind of, I'll see this kind of say that. Uh, no, Dumbarton will be the ones that will benefit from it. And the guys, if anybody what feels wants to come to me or get in touch with yourself, and you can pass my details on absolutely. But as it's as it stands now, the, we're still working because uh, we need the trains need to be working at night uh, for the freight train freight stuff. So we're still working, but it will pick up probably when the whole coronavirus kind of starts to settle down. I think our, our work stream is going to go mental probably end of July, August. It's going to go massive. So if there's anyone out there that's looking at going part-time with Dumbarton or Rossville, they can get in touch with myself and uh, we can we can pack and pass our details on. When I, when I interviewed, um, it was Kyle and it was Rory Loy, I think I interviewed, yes. about working on the on the railways. And the two of them talked about the kind of the, the camaraderie and the, the team kind of ethic working on the railways a bit and kind of were comparing it to a football just dressing room a little bit. Would that be would that be fair? And, and is that why you think it's quite an, another another reason why it's quite attractive to maybe somebody coming from a football background to get involved? Yeah, definitely. And as I said at the start, there's in CNG there's four managers. Uh, I'm one of them, and I look after a, a group of the guys, and I try and tend to look after the footballers, uh, all the players like that, just because I know their background and I know nights of training. I know when they're kind of wait Elgin to play so I try and work the work bank round about things which I've got other thing, people that we work the work bank round about but and we try and we try and make it that environment as as friendly and as and everybody knows that football changing is ruthless so if you're bringing someone in that's not really in that environment then they, they kind of might not be used to it so it's good to it's good to have that kind of football background and it's not just for that but because you're dedicated as well and that's what my boss is. He's he's big on that because you're dedicated. You need to be at training a half seven every night. You need to be there. You need to do this. The manager says you need to do this. You need to do that. So that's what's a big thing that my boss and myself we all like that is because you need to be there. You need you're dedicated to your football. You need to be at certain places for certain times. So it's good that you, for the work part, work life as well. You need to be on site for a certain time. Uh, but when you go on site, you're probably in a cabin with three or four other the footballs and you can get that wee bit of banter before your shift so yep. and and it's also good as well like because if the guys don't know if the guys are struggling at night to for any information in they're all got that close-knit relationship they might not know each other but i've played against him or whatever or my mate played against him so they can they've got that bond that they can phone so it's good that way and it's, it's worked for cng so far uh, we've got a great bunch of guys working with us and we've not just got football we've also got other guys which they've took to each other as well so it's worked for us uh, and just hope it works for Dumbarton as well soon hopefully get them up the league for anybody listening we'll include some links as to where people can go if if they're yeah. uh, interested in in uh, hearing some more about joining up Davey and hopefully uh, we can help a few boys who might be struggling for a move or struggling for a wage get something going and maybe get a, get a career behind them post-football. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Right, well, just before we finish up, we'll clear up this down the division's decider. Paul, can we have the clues again, please? Right, OK. Andy Rodich defeated Juan Carlos Ferreira 6-3, 7-6, 6-3 to win the US Open. Cristiano Ronaldo made his debut for Manchester United in the Premier League. Motherwell finished bottom of the Premier League but was saved from the drop when the SPL didn't accept Falkirk's league 
classification due to ground criteria. And Tayport beat Linlithgow Rose 1-0 after extra time. David, you said? 2006. Gareth, you said? 2003. 2003. Cannot believe it. 1-0. 1-0. I think you were Googling that, man. <laughs> no, no, I'm happy about that. Do you know what? Well, because I, I, you've used the same website as me to get the clues, no. haven't <laughs> 2002-03 was my first year living in Scotland. So I remember Motherwell. That was the year when Motherwell didn't go down. And I won all four. <laughs> we go again next week. I'm absolutely raging. <laughs> well, David, thanks uh, thanks very much for, for joining us on the show tonight. And we obviously hope things go well for you at Rossvale when things uh, when things get back up going again. We'll we'll keep an eye on how you how you're doing and maybe get you back on the show when the when the season eventually starts. And likewise with CNG Systems, uh, hopefully hopefully that keeps going from strength to strength and uh, you get a few more a few more boys working on the railways. No problem. Thank you very much for having us, guys. Thank you very much. Good catch. Not be again, mate. Yes. Take, take care. care. Yes. Yes, you too. Don't forget, you can get in touch with the show with comments or suggestions for people to speak to. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Do leave a comment, which helps others find us and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. We'll speak to you again next week on Down the Divisions.